Welcome in to the third episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you this afternoon on January 3rd, 2018, welcoming listeners to the third episode of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. I'm here this afternoon with my guest co-host Kevin Dolinar. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Will. Happy to be here. We're going to usher in 2018 with various key subjects, starting with the Michigan State University Spartan men's basketball team and where they stand in the Big Ten Conference while comparing it to Illinois State and their standing in Missouri Valley Conference play. The college football bowl games took place New Year's Day, leaving Alabama and Georgia as the two winners that will face off in the upcoming college football title game in Atlanta, and we will give our predictions for that upcoming matchup. We are also going to answer various key questions with Chicago sports. How do the Bears losing against the Minnesota Vikings to close out the season Sunday show the Bears are still lacking pieces they need to be considered a contender moving forward? How will Ryan Pace, the newly extended GM of the Bears, after firing John Fox, be able to find a new head coach to lead and improve this team moving forward? Does the continued play of Nikola Miritich and the upcoming debut of Zach Levine threaten the Bulls' rebuild? Where could Nikola Miritich and Robin Lopez end up at the upcoming NBA trade deadline? And what could the Bulls possibly get in return for each? We will touch on that. And we will also have brief updates as the MLB winter offseason continues, sticking with the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs, followed by closing the show with the original fun segment of Will's Sports Movie Moment. So now, Kev, we're going to go into Michigan State basketball. We're going to start with them. So they won over Savannah State 108-52, to an impressive run the Spartans are having right now with their three last home games, a big win over Cleveland State, Long Beach, and they end 2017 against Savannah State winning 108-52. to So they have a lot to look forward to here now. They're number one in the AP polls. So the first thing I have to ask you under... Very well-respected head coach in Tom Izzo. How could they sustain their number one ranking in this upcoming matchup against Maryland? Well, I think now being number one in AP pool, we're going to have a big target on the Michigan State Spartans basketball team's back. And I think the past three or four games, we've been playing some lower tier teams. So blowing them out, going up on cupcakes, as they say. But now getting into Big Ten play, we're going to play, you know, the main, the meat of our schedule. So, you know, looking at teams like Maryland, Ohio State, Rutgers, they might not have the best records at the time, but they're going to give us, they're going to give Michigan State their all being, you know, the number one seed and they want to have add that to their resume. So as I guess we could talk about how we're going to sustain the number one ranking, we're going to have to not let our play play down, our players play down to the level, you know, of our competition. That's going to be really important because being the number one overall team, we're supposed to be, you know, so much better and uh, a lot more talent and everything like that. And then we're going to have to avoid turnovers, which have been the main, that's been the main, our, our main downfall this season. If we have, you know, one thing that to hold against us, it's our turnovers. We turn the ball, ball over a lot. So I guess you know that's what we're gonna have to be looking out for going into these games we could tell right off the bat that the michigan state spartans are going to have a lot of obstacles this year i mean you were just touching on it number one is not easy to hold but it's respectable we've seen michigan state up in at least a top 10 in the ncaa a number of years so far and just a closing question about michigan state you know their standout players i think we were touching on before the show jaron jackson jr is just really holding that front court well i think for michigan state but a standout player to me would be miles bridges i think you know just seeing what denzel valentine at the msu grad is doing with the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. I think Miles Bridges is somebody that a lot of NBA teams should be excited about, not just seeing, but drafting. So could Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson be the 
key for Michigan State to stay at number one. Definitely. I think those are definitely our two most talented players on the team. And going forward into the Big Ten games, that they're going to have to really shine and play good defense and offense and be effective on both sides of the ball. Not turn the ball over, which I already kind of stated. But Jackson, he's been doing really well defensively, but offensively, that's where he can kind of grow more. And I think he'll show scouts more. Maybe going against uh, up against bigger teams that that are in the Big Ten, they have bigger players, so it'll be more of a challenge for him, but also an opportunity to move up in uh, his draft stock. Michigan State, the Spartans, holding a record of 14 and one overall, according to AP polls just released in the new year. They hold the number one spot over, as we're looking at it right now. Duke is ranked number two, Villanova number three, Arizona State number four, and Xavier not trailing far behind at number five. So an impressive top five there. The Michigan State Spartans will try to answer another three-game win streak on a homestand they just had against Savannah State. They will go in to face Maryland tomorrow night at Michigan State University. So now going into Illinois State men's basketball, a little far down the road there in Bloomington Normal. Still a little bit chilly this time of year, but let's go right into the meat of it. The Illinois State Redbirds just won in overtime. Now they're coming off a win on the road against Evansville to open Missouri Valley Conference play and they they answer that at home to close out 2017 just like the Spartans did what we just talked about here against the Indiana State Sycamores. They won 84 to 81 in overtime. Another solid game for Malik Yarborough. 29 points, 10 rebounds. So Illinois State, I think we were talking about it. They have a tough schedule like the Spartans do this year. They're ranked 7th hardest schedule in the country after a 28-win season last year. That's expected in college basketball. So just going right into it. How can the Redbirds, they have their upcoming matchup tonight in Des Moines, Iowa against the Drake Bulldogs. And the Redbirds are tied right now with Missouri State and Drake at 2-0 in conference play. So, Kev, what can we expect the Redbirds to do on the road tonight against Drake? Well, I think ISU and Drake, they're both going to be coming out and playing pretty hard. You know, they want to keep that top spot in the Missouri Valley Conference, both undefeated in conference. And I see coming off a good win against a pretty solid Indiana State team that actually beat Indiana University previously in the season. So Illinois State, they're going to look out, come play hard, try to keep the top spot in the Missouri, Missouri Valley Conference. And I expect it to be a very competitive matchup, very heated. These teams both want to win. And if we look at Missouri Valley Conference last year, they had Wichita State, which was on the top tier, but now it's almost a bit of a power struggle between Drake, Illinois State, obviously, and Missouri State. Even Loyola's got a solid team this year, so you can look for all four of those teams to have some pretty good competition this year, and they're going to want to get the top top seeds for the Missouri Valley Conference tournament because that's going to they win that they can get the at-large bid into the NCAA tournament, and that's their ticket in. So I think yeah, you can look for these games to be pretty competitive. So the Illinois State Redbirds, as Kev mentioned, they are. Gonna to have a heated matchup tonight they will head to des moines iowa this evening 7 p.m tip off as they will take on the drake bulldogs as we touch on it briefly here the missouri valley conference standings currently drake illinois state and missouri state tied at 2-0 in the standings followed by southern illinois loyola bradley and indiana state tied at 1-1 the bottom three in the current conference rankings in the Missouri Valley would be Valparaiso, Northern Iowa, and Evansville. Still a lot of games to come, but I think we're going to have a lot of solid play in the Illinois State-Missouri Valley Conference. So now going into the big topic in collegiate sports this past weekend, the Rose Bowl and Allstate Sugar Bowl took place, 
And number four, Georgia, and number two, Oklahoma faced off earlier that afternoon, New Year's Day. And that was just, I think, Kev, we were watching it, an impressive game. Georgia just pulled off. I mean, you could see two teams back-to-back, but then Georgia pulls off the upset, 54-48 to in double overtime. And the All-State Sugar Bowl, a rematch of the title last year, Alabama topping Clemson, 24-6. to So we're going to get into it right now. So you, you look at those two matchups. Now we're going to see a title game with Georgia facing off against an Alabama team that's, they're used to where they've been. You know, they've been here before. Right, right. And I think Saban's going to have something to fight against, though, because I think the Georgia Bulldogs, I mean, we've seen a lot of good players they've had going to the draft, especially their defense, Leonard Floyd. And I think that defense was obviously put up well against Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. But I'm going to ask you, we have this title game coming up. Georgia's hosting in Atlanta. What can we expect Georgia to try and do against the Alabama Crimson Tide? Well, I really like how Georgia came out and won that game against Oklahoma. Georgia had a top 10 defense all year, and they let Oklahoma put up 48 points on them. But if you look at that, they were... Oklahoma plays spread style, you know, running quarterback option, run, a lot of run play option, run pass option, and Georgia wasn't really used to that, but they were still able to prevail, partly because they were able to run the ball really well on offense, and then when they needed to, their defense made stop. And if we look at the Alabama-Clemson game, you could it, it was just kind of a blowout. Alabama totally outclassed Clemson. Clemson looked like they were really unexperienced, which they were. First-year quarterback Brian Kelly, you know, he looked like he wasn't ready to play against Alabama. And that just, you know, kind of proves, I guess, the dominance of the SEC top tier at this point. At least, you know, the top two teams in the SEC are significantly better than everyone else in the country this year. So what can I expect in the championship? I look to see. I'm actually predicting a Georgia win. I like Georgia's defense against Alabama's offense, partly because Georgia's defense played really well against the SEC, and they're looking at another, going to be playing another pro-style Alabama offense. So they match up well physically, and you know they'll bring the you'll they'll bring the heat on uh, Jalen Hurts, and they'll they'll play great defense, great coverage, hit you hard. And I like Georgia's offense against Alabama's defense also because they got two senior running backs, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, both great NFL prospects going into this draft, and they got a freshman quarterback. But the way they run the ball, their freshman quarterback doesn't have to make that many plays. So I can look George, I can look uh, forward to Georgia winning this game pretty easily, actually. And I think I'm gonna go with you on that one, as I like to always say to people it's always good to see different teams win in different years and situations and I think the Crimson Tide they're obviously a very well respected team in college football credit to coach Saban and how he puts his team together but I think I like Georgia too I'm gonna go with you on that one Kevin I think the way and just seeing that game I mean they're facing off a tough team in Oklahoma and they just went with it with so much class I mean the running backs I could see as being a big trend coming out of college football not just this year but the last few years you know with Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey so I think right, there's right. going to be a lot of players, especially in this matchup, Calvin Ridley and Nick Chubb, as you mentioned, one of the key Georgia Bulldogs. So we're going to see a lot of NFL teams watching this title game. And that kicks off Monday, January 8th, 7 p.m. tip off from Atlanta. It'll be number four, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, taking on number three, Georgia Bulldogs. Now going into Chicago Bears action, they just finished their season as the Chicago Bears lost on the road to the Minnesota Vikings 23-10. A lot of people were expecting that, the Vikings trying to get that first round bye. Right. The Bears are now going into an interesting situation as they fired head coach John Fox. Now a lot of people, I think we talked about last week, that was a possibility going into week 17 in the offseason for the Bears. 
They do what's best for their team there. As Ryan Pace talked about it, he, in the press conference, talked about how John Fox taught him a lot. It was his first coach hire as a young GM three years ago. And then he announced that the Chicago Bears are extending their GM, Ryan Pace, for another three years through 2021. A big move by the Chicago Bears. Now, we're, yeah. we're seeing what's going on here, Kev. There's mm-hmm. six teams in the NFL now. A lot of the big ones right now you can name are off the bat. The Oakland Raiders are in yeah. the headlines with coaches right now, with John Gruden. And then you got Indianapolis. Detroit. Detroit, yes. Another uh, division rival for the Bears. And I think something to watch for is where these coaches will go. Now, you're always going to see a head coach that gets fired like Jack Del Rio, John Fox, or Ben McAdoo of the Giants, who's also another destination open. They're going to go to those teams, whether it be a coordinator or another coaching position. But I think in the case of the Chicago Bears, and we've heard it the last few days from a lot of experts with the team and around Chicago, that the Bears are going to look for an offensive-minded coach to try and help not just their offense, but one of their key players, Mitchell Trubisky. So just right off the bat, do you have an offensive-minded coach candidate you've heard of that you think could help improve this Bears off? What do you think? Well, I think looking at the people they're interviewing, I kind of like the Eagles QB coach, John DiFilippo, you know, just what he's been able to do with Carson Wentz in his second year. He's basically an MVP candidate before he tore his ACL, and you can see what the Eagles are looking like now without him kind of struggling, even though they got locked up that number one seed. But yeah, I think I think that's you know partly due to coaching and also Carson Wentz is he's a good player, very well developed, very yes. well developed. He's he's a good guy. And Vikings offense coordinator Pat Shermer, yeah, he could look like a good option too. I mean, the Vikings they don't have any anyone on that offense that really stands out superstar talent wise. They even lost Delvin Cook to ACL injury earlier in the season, and they got Latavius Murray now. They've been able to have a consistent run game. They got some decent wide receivers, Stephon Diggs, you know, Laquan Treadwell, local kid. They're okay, you know, but they play great defense. And, you know, they got a solid offense, so maybe he can be a good option. But I think with the Bears, I was a little surprised that they extended GM Ryan Pace's contract. I thought he did had an okay draft. I mean, he drafted Mitchell Tabriski, number two overall, which hopefully he had an average year for a rookie quarterback. Nothing too special. I think he's going to need to develop and take a really big step next year. Otherwise, people in Chicago are going to be really nervous and calling for Pace's head. And then Pace took a lot of unheralded drafts, too. I mean, drafted a lot of unheralded players coming out of college too. I mean, I think Tariq Cohen is a good piece going forward, but he wasn't a big D1 player. That tight end, Adam Shireen, um, he's a big guy. They need to coach him up a little more, and I thought maybe that would be Fox's area of expertise, you know, being in the league for so long and coaching so many good players and leading them to the Super Bowls and stuff like that. But I guess, you know, they're going with another option. So I think offensive-minded coach is what you're going to have to go for with a young team on offense and you're your franchise player you're trying to build around Mitchell Trubisky he's going to need some coaching and someone that can move him into the next level player wise and development wise and I like our Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio I mean they've had a lot of injuries but Bears defense has been moving up steadily with these past few years as Fox's head coach and they do have some pieces on the defense they just have a lot of injuries which is something that GM Ryan Pace is going to have to look into maybe getting a new strength and conditioning coach or or maybe you have someone look after these players' diets more, how they're preparing for these games, because we've had a lot of injuries, and, and I think a lot of them can be prevented, and that's something that we're going to have to look into. So just touching on it right there, Kev mentions John DiFilippo. He's the Eagles quarterback coach. He's obviously going to be pretty well 
looked at by a lot of various NFL teams. The Bears are one of three currently talking to him. The current interviews stand. The Vikings defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, that would be George Edwards, reported this morning the Bears are setting an interview with him later this week around the time they will interview offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. Then they're going to go to the Chiefs offensive coordinator. It's Matt Nagy. You saw what the Chiefs did with Kareem Hunt, Alex Smith, working under Andy Reid. So that's a good one. One close to home for the Bears. Panthers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. He was the former defensive backs coach. A lot of people don't know this. He was the former defensive back coach under Lovey Smith. Helped the Bears at Super Bowl. And I think a lot of coaches are out there. But something really interesting a lot of Bears fans and Chicago sports fans might not know is that just a few hours ago, Ryan Pace released that the Bears interviewed their own defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, for the coaching position. So you touched on it right there. He did an incredible job with the Bears. But my standout coach, I think, if you're Ryan Pace and the Bears, I love the defensive options right now. But I think if you're able to interview Vic Fangio for head coach and say, hey, if we have another opportunity for a coordinator, still come back as our defensive coordinator because he has that camaraderie and that structure with the Chicago Bears defense. Right. And I'd like to see Nagy. Shermer or DeFilippo come in as that head coach. I mean, Josh McDaniels is a great option, but he wants too much control. I think Ryan Pace should keep that. I think it's great that Ryan Pace is getting his say in this choice because we saw Ted Phillips and McCaskey throw their hats in the ring three years ago, and maybe that's why Fox is here. We don't know that for sure. Right. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there, but I think the Bears will have a lot to look forward to. We will, of course, here at Will's fifth quarter special, keep you posted on the Bears coaching search as it proceeds. Now getting into the Chicago Bulls. They lost, though, in overtime, 124-120. to It's expected from a rebuilding Bulls team, Kev. Now just the main question here, they just reported Zach Levine's going to be coming back from injury. They said he's going to be down with the Winnie City Bulls for a few days, and if he keeps regressing, he'll be with the team but I think that just throws another wrench into it yeah I agree monkey wrench with Nikola Miritich Robin Lopez is playing good but Nikola Miritich I think they talked about it 10 or 11 games at least ago the Bulls were how should we say they were not doing what we expect now in a tank mode season like the Philadelphia 76ers you expect them to go 3, 4, 20 but now they're winning games and that's not bad if you're trying to compete but the Bulls are trying to go in the classic NBA tank mode trend we've seen the last few years and get that top pick the rebuild going very smoothly well so far. So if you're the Chicago Bull, you're facing the trade deadline January 15th. How could players like Nikola Mirotic and Robin Lopez be impacting the rebuild? And if they get a good return for those guys, what do you think they should do? Well, I think what you touched on a little bit, Levine coming back is definitely going to throw a wrench into the lineup. I think, honestly, the way the Bulls have been losing these past few games, they they can use a closer like Levine because last game against Portland, they had a chance to win the game or tie the game, and Dunn runs an iso play and throws up a brick, and, you know, we go into overtime eventually lose. So I think Levine, you know, maybe can be that finishing piece. But I think if you're the Bulls looking to rebuild, which we are, we definitely have to trade Miritich for something and Lopez I don't know how much we'll be able to get for Lopez but we got to try you know to move him I think maybe uh, I don't think you know, Miritich is that quality but maybe we can trade him for Boston for one of their first round picks I know they lost Hayward but they're still looking to compete for the Eastern Conference title take over the Cavs and they got a lot, a lot of young players and Miritich the way he's playing now it looks like he can fit into that system he's shooting the ball well he's being more aggressive on defense and offense and he said he he would like to be traded to a winning team so maybe the Celtics are an option moving forward forward. I think the way they 
Danny Ainge and those guys, GMs, they're always looking for pieces, so they'll keep an eye on Miritich, and the Bulls have let the league know that he's open to trade, and as well as Lopez. Yeah, I guess you can look for those guys to move forward, but I think if they want to do a full rebuild, they're definitely going to have to trade those two pieces, and preferably for draft picks. I, I like this upcoming draft. I think the top five players got a lot of really good centers coming coming into the league, looking like, and also, you know, a couple guards got that kid from Oklahoma playing really well, and Alabama. Trey Young, Trey yeah, Young, glad yeah. you touched on him there, yeah, Colin, definitely a standout. Yeah, and Alabama's guard, uh, Sexton, yeah, he's looking like a Colin really good Sexton, player. Yeah. yeah, so I think Bulls management should be at those players and try to get one of those guys, but yeah, I don't know, I like in this team, it's exciting to watch. I think we're in games, but it would be a letdown if we didn't get a top five draft. The Chicago Bulls, as Kev mentioned, they are still currently in action this season, trying to find an answer in the beginning of this rebuild. A very stacked draft class this offseason coming up for the NBA draft. The Bulls trying to get that top five pick as they talked about preseason. They will host the Toronto Raptors, the 25-10 and 10 Raptors. Bulls currently stand at 13-24. and 24. That game will also take place tonight with a tip-off from the United Center at 7 p.m. Now going into a brief Cubs offseason update. The Chicago Cubs this morning, Kev, were in the headlines, and you don't expect too much going on in the MLB offseason right now. You never know what's going to happen. There's a lot of deals going down. But the Chicago Cubs, as we just read, they are talking to their uh, starting pitcher, Jake Arrieta. Now they're still in talks with you, Darvish. We, we see that, but we're going to keep you posted on that as we're seeing them talk about a possible four-year deal. I think it was just a few analysts talking and experts, but it still could be something. We will keep you posted on any Cubs and White Sox off-season reports during the MLB off-season here. Now going into Will's sports movie moment. We all have our favorite sports movie moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movie. This segment gives myself and my guest co-hosts, as well as the listeners, a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and try and compare it to modern day sports. Listeners can hop on to the Will's Fifth Quarter Special Podcast Facebook page and post their own sports movie moment favorites. Kev, I'm going to start here. I think a very interesting movie. Now, it's going to it's gonna fit with the Chicago Bears here. I'm going to go with Rocky Balboa. It was the sixth movie installment that came out in 2006. And there's a scene. Now, a lot of people might not know this. So there's Rocky fans out there, but maybe not of this one. There's a scene where he's getting ready to fight, Mason the Lion Dixon. And you're going to obviously see whenever you're doing something big or something you're afraid to do, there's going to be people on your side and against you. And I think, to me, that stands out the most is the scene where he's talking to his son. He says, for the world, it's not full of sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, his son's obviously very distraught that dad's doing this because it's making him look bad. He's living on his dad's shadow. But the thing that stands out to me, and I think a lot of, if you're Bears fans, you're Ryan Pace, the Bears front office, even the college teams right now, this is relevant to any team we've talked about this afternoon. He says, the world is not full of sunshine and rainbows. You're going to get beat down to your knees unless you try and pick yourself up. And it's not about how hard you hit, it's about how many hits you can take and keep moving forward. How many punches you could take and keep moving forward, that's how winning is done. You're not a quitter and... You just got to do it. And I think just as a sports fan, just seeing that type of movie scene, it's very inspirational. And I think Ryan Pace will try and use that type of mentality because the Chicago Bears are in a good spot, but I feel like they could do more. I mean, we're, yeah. we're seeing a lot of rebuilds with Chicago sports. And I think it's great for not just the sports in those respective programs, but for the city of Chicago for the future. But that's going to be my pick. So, Kev, what's, what do you got for us this afternoon? 
So I got the 2004 movie Miracle. It's about the 1980 men's U.S. Olympic hockey team and how they defeated the Soviet Union to go on and win the gold in Lake Placid Olympics in New York. So I think this kind of relates to modern day because we got the Olympics coming up in February. And it's actually interesting about this 1980s team. No one on this team at the time played in the NHL. And actually this year for the Olympics... They're moving back to that format. They're not allowing NHL players to play on Olympic teams. So that sounds you know, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll learn a lot of new players, and uh, it's Olympic hockey is always always pretty competitive. It's very nationalistic. Play for your country, and it's a lot of pride, prideful. Survival of the fittest. Right. I exactly. Think, yeah. So yeah, you look for U.S. men's hockey to play well in this Olympics, and you want to get yourself pumped up. Go ahead and watch Miracle. So pumped up, would you say that speech scene is your favorite? Because I know there's a lot of good scenes in that movie. I've seen a bit of it myself, but do you like that speech he gives before the game? Like, do you think that's your favorite scene? Yeah, I mean, when they, they I think they lose to Norway in an exhibition game, and he has them run or skate lines at the end of the game, and he's, he shouts out, the name on the uh, front of the jersey is a lot more important than the one on the back, so he's saying Team USA is important than your own personal glory, referring to the last name on the back of the jersey. So, yeah, you know, that's who you're playing for in the Olympics. You're playing for your country, not for yourself. So, you know, hopefully these players, being younger guys, not in the NHL, I think I think they'll play that. They'll play together. They're not out worried about if they're going to get injured. Their NHL team is going to be upset. They're just going to go play for their country. So that's what I look forward to watching. That is all the time we have in Episode 3 of Will's 5th Quarter Special. Tune in next week as we will have our guest co-host Brian Farlow join us again to help us touch on Illinois State men's and women's basketball, a recap of the college football title game, along with more in Chicago professional sports followed by Will's Sports Movie Moment. Reach out to us on the Will's 5th Quarter Special Facebook page and on our website contact us at williamdfarlow.weebly.com. I want to thank our guest co-host Kevin Dolan for joining me in what was a fun 30 minutes talking sports, so thank you Kevin. Uh, thanks for having me. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host, Will Farlow, and my guest co-host, Kevin Dolanar, saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special.